Welcome to Prima's 2017 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Chris Mandel will discuss resiliency as a risk management priority. Chris Mandel is Director of the Sedgwick Institute and SVP of Strategic Solutions for Sedgwick. Mr. Mandel has more than 25 years of leadership experience in large global corporate risk management. He pioneered the development of ERM at USAA. Chris's career includes risk-related leadership roles at Liberty Mutual, Marsh, Verizon, American National Red Cross, and Pepsi. Chris is the founder and president of Excellence in Risk Management, LLC. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Enjoy the podcast. It's a pleasure having you for this episode of Prima Podcast. Let's get started. What does resilience mean to risk professionals? So, you know, it'd probably be a good idea to start with uh, a little explanation about the evolution of risk management before we get into this uh, too much. And lots of people probably understand this, but I always like to make it clear up front because this is, we're talking today about a connection between two disciplines, the disciplines being risk management and business continuity or BCP or uh, goes by a number of other names. But I think it's important to understand that risk management, which has been a discipline for, I don't know, a formal discipline for probably 40 years, maybe 50, you know, you started out as being what I call traditional risk management, really came out of the insurance buying world. Or function, where you know people had the job typically as a part of purchasing for buying insurance for organizations against bad things, property casualty insurance in particular. And over the years, when people realized there was more to it than just buying insurance, the traditional risk management discipline emerged, which really encompassed three things: trying to prevent bad things from happening, trying to find out what's the best way to finance them, typically through insurance, but increasingly through other mechanisms, including self-insurance and variations on self-insurance. And then the third element being control. What do you do after bad things happen? Often referred to as the claims world or the claims management discipline. Those are the key three core elements of traditional risk management. In the last 20 years, the discipline has kind of evolved to more progressive versions, often referred to as enterprise risk management there's strategic risk management. Some people use the terms integrated and holistic. Enterprise risk is probably the best. But to sum it up, ERM versus traditional is really taking those three pillars of the discipline of prevention, financing, and control and applying them to all kinds of risks, all risks, essentially, as I say, A to Z. So anything that could go wrong, and then in addition, things that could go right. So there's a two-sided view of the ERM world, where the first job is really to prevent the bad things from happening and then control them when they do. Uh, But there's also an element of exploiting risk for value creation and gain. And so that's often referred to as the upside of risk. That is taking new risk for the purposes of value creation. So it's really this latter, more current, progressive version of risk management, enterprise risk management, that kind of leads us into this discussion. So you asked me, you know, what does resilience mean to the risk management world? So I I gave that starter point because really it didn't mean much, I don't think, to the traditional risk management world before maybe about 10 years ago. It wasn't part of their charge, if you will. 
whereas in enterprise risk discipline and strategies, resilience is uh, at the heart of the matter in some sense. Enterprise risk managers, chief risk officers, whatever their title, may or may not control business continuity planning, BCP, which is where the term resilience comes from, but they certainly typically have something to say about it, sitting on uh, committees and the like. So, again, the historical approach is this prevention and control mentality. Resilience, when you get into the ERM world, really means that business continuity becomes a core aspect of risk strategy. So now resilience is central to enterprise risk strategy or risk strategy uh, more broadly, where it really means anticipating the various possibilities of things that could happen versus maybe the more traditional view of that world, which was about probabilities, focused more on the probable things that could happen. In fact, a term often used in the traditional world is PML, probable maximum loss. Um, we're now equally using possible maximum loss. Talk about the things that you know may be unlikely, but when they happen, they can do really bad things to organizations and entities. So this new heartbeat of VRM, you might say, could be a, a focus on resilience, which in, also involves mitigating risk and tying it to risk appetite, another concept that's relatively new, understanding the risk appetite of organizations, which I won't go into. That could be a whole hour-long discussion. Another element of resilience to risk managers, though, is really making sure that the financing of risk is aligned with financial strategy for organizations. And then ultimately, resilience is about being able to respond to the things that happen optimally during events and, and after events that we might refer to as crises and, and catastrophes. So resilience is really building a strong organization that's able to respond effectively to the risk profile of an organization. And just for clarity, risk profile could be defined as a comprehensive view into the key risks of an organization, what their impact and likelihood is, who owns them, and what is the current state. So I know that's a long answer to what sounded like a simple question, but hopefully that gives you some good clarity around uh, resilience from a risk manager's perspective. Why should organizations make resilience a strategic priority? Well, as we just discussed, we know stuff happens. All right? That's the kind way to put it. You're always going to have things go wrong, no matter what you do. So it doesn't really matter what it is in some sense. I mean, certainly you want to understand what the things are that could go wrong, but what resilience-focused functionaries, whether they're BCP or risk management people or both, really care about is, you know, being prepared for them and then the things that they could do to an organization. So that's all about, in some sense, order of magnitude or what's often referred to as impact or from an actuarial standpoint, which is more numbers-based, you know, the severity of an event or a crisis. So every organization has a strategy. And frankly, the success of organizations is really defined by the uh, effective execution of their strategies. And by converse, the failure to execute strategies and strategic goals successfully means potential failure for organizations. Well, with that paradigm understood, then we realize that if strategic goals are not achieved, it's probably because one or more risks haven't been effectively managed. 
because every strategic goal has one or more risks that will keep you from reaching that goal. So failure to manage those risks could mean failure for the strategic plan and ultimately for the organization in the worst case scenario. So resilience means really being prepared to respond to mitigate the impact of those risks on those strategic goals and as a result, ultimately, on the strategic plan in order to improve the chances that organizations through those strategies and those strategic goals will be able to deliver their mission and ultimately succeed and deliver whatever they've promised to their stakeholders. How does resilience compare to the more traditional elements of risk management, of prevention, and control? So the way I look at that, and I describe kind of the prevention and control elements of traditional risk and how it kind of evolved into the enterprise risk realm. But from a resilience standpoint, I think of that really as a third dimension. A third dimension to the prevention and control um, traditional paradigm, where you can think of prevention as reducing the likelihood that those bad things, those events, those crises, those losses would occur. The control element being focused on how do you reduce the impact, which is on a traditional basis really focused on cost. How do you minimize the cost of a loss event to an organization? So when you add this resilience aspect, you really get a third leg of the stool, a third dimension, if you will, that really in some sense, I guess, extends the control objective with a focus on restoration to the status quo whatever the status quo was before the event occurred. So I think a new concise and integrated paradigm for this would be that three-legged stool, or maybe we could think of it as three pillars of the combined disciplines of risk management and business continuity, being how do you prevent, control, and then restore organizations to their pre-loss status. So I think what what we've done really is just enhance the paradigm that was originally focused just on the two elements of prevention and control to get a more holistic view that says, how do you build a resilient organization by including the restoration aspect and making it as important as the prevention and control aspects of the historical view. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. I would like to take a moment and invite you to Prima's 2017 annual conference, June 4th through 7th in Phoenix, Arizona. Here are some words from Prima's meetings manager, Monique Gilliam, regarding the upcoming conference. Our first thing to start at is going to be our welcome reception on Sunday. Our welcome reception will be over at the Sheraton Grand Phoenix, and then we'll have a number of organized networking breaks. We have our lovely trade show floor that'll have over 90 exhibitors to be able to network with. And then we have one of our most famous events called our Tuesday night social event taking place at the Arizona Science Center. So we have a number of opportunities to be able to get to know your public risk management professionals. To learn more about the annual conference, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Chris and Taekwon. What specifically is the opportunity between risk and business continuity professionals and how will a tighter collaboration benefit organizations? So I'll take this in, in, uh, in two segments. So we'll talk about what are the opportunities first. And there's a lot of them. But here's a, here's a list. So beginning with building closer 
relationships and collaborations. So in my 25 years in, in large global risk management, typically as the risk leader for major organizations, I can tell you that uh, in my earlier career, I don't know that I even knew who these people were. Maybe they didn't even exist, as I think about it. But where they did exist, they weren't part of my department. In fact, in my last full-time chief risk officer role, it was really all about a business continuity function that sat within and under the chief information officer or the IT organization. And I guess I would say there's probably nothing further from each other than the risk management function and the IT function in some sense. I didn't understand what they did. They didn't understand what I did. But in that last role, which was with a major diversified financial institution, while business continuity and this resilience component was really IT controlled and focused, we did have collaborations through uh, steering committee structures that allowed me to weigh in on what they were doing, and by my including them in ERM committee structures that allowed them to weigh in on what I was doing. So again, first opportunity, build those relationships and those closer collaborations so the functionaries and the functional leaders can understand each other and what their priorities are, and most importantly, how they overlap and touch each other. Secondly, it really isn't about a reporting structure. There may be and are some people out there that would say, well, business continuity is a subset of enterprise risk management. You know, yeah, maybe it is. I mean, it should be part of the risk strategy. Does it need to be part of an ERM organization? Not necessarily. Uh, might work a little bit better if there was a, that closer tie, but uh, it has organizational-wide interests. So I don't know that it really matters where it sits. And if you are like that company I just referenced was, a very IT-centric organization, very dependent on its systems to succeed, having most of its transactions done over the Internet or, or over phone systems, it was pretty critical that the IT infrastructure be as resilient as possible. So it wasn't any wonder why the business continuity people were built into that function. But again, I don't think it matters where it reports. So we need to get over the perf issue of, of reporting. Third, it's about really risk culture and governance. So you get away from who controls what and you recognize that you've got to have a clearly defined risk culture. If you don't, you're going to have a, cult a risk culture that's going to self-define. And that's probably not going to be one you like, one you should have, or one that actually could cause trouble. So between risk culture and risk governance, I think that incorporating BC strategies into the risk strategy for the organization and how it's governed and who participates from a stakeholder standpoint is central to a key opportunity between the or these disciplines. Alignment, if not integration, between risk management and business continuity and the governance the structure is probably ideal, but a minimum of alignment. Another opportunity is to ensure that business continuity has a broader view into the risk profile and the risks of the organization, not just the information technology risks, which is the case in some organizations. They have an opportunity to align their reporting to management and the board of directors, as well as just uh, general lower-level management throughout the organization. So. Uh, that they're speaking the same language, they're reporting on the same priorities, and they're showing the, uh, the connectivity between the two disciplines. There's an opportunity to align how these disciplines uh, communicate otherwise and educate um, organizations about what they do 
and how the employee body uh, needs to play into it, or at least be aware of uh, the priorities of each. There's an opportunity to align business continuity strategy with, with, with risk strategy, if it isn't already. And there's opportunity to collaborate on risk assessment, if for no other reason than the sake of efficiency is usually at stake, but also consistency, getting risk assessment done on a similar basis and trying to ring out redundancies so that you don't crush the organization with risk assessment activity. There's an opportunity to collaborate on third-party risk identification, such as what comes from the vendor and supplier community. There's an opportunity to collaborate on a central tenet of both uh, disciplines, and that is scenario planning and modeling, so that you can consistently look at the same scenarios and understand collectively uh, what your interests are in them. And then lastly, there's an opportunity to make more consistent people's view of risk, how it's defined in an organization, how it's discussed, what the semantics of it are, and how it's communicated about. So I know that's a lot of opportunities, but uh, that is one of the reasons that we're profiling this here. And by the way, I'm speaking about this at the uh, Disaster Research Institute International's conference next month. So what are the benefits of tighter collaboration? I mean, they may be self-evident, but they're as simple as this. Getting communication clarity in the organization about risk and about resilience, getting clear priorities for management and the board in particular around these two disciplines, getting reduced redundancies between the two functions for the sake of efficiency, therefore getting more efficient programs and projects where needed, ultimately building a more resilient organization, and ultimately satisfying all the different stakeholders that have interests in these two disciplines. What are the roadblocks to an effective collaboration between risk and business continuity professionals? So like many disciplines that need to work more closely together, you're, you know, you're always dealing with chiefdoms or turf protection issues where people are either kingdom building or trying to build walls around their purview, their kingdoms. So that's kind of usually uh, an issue here. Um, it all depends on the people. And it all depends on the organization's view of these disciplines and what they've said to the functional leaders they want to see in terms of working together and driving some of the goals that I mentioned earlier. Other roadblocks include the fact that uh, the strategies of the two functions may be not even understood, often misaligned. So again, that's an inefficiency in the organization that needs to be addressed. There's often uh, insufficient funding for this kind of work on both sides of the fence. So I think, again, doing things together, you know, maybe makes that a little less of a problem. But money is always a potential roadblock to doing what really needs to be done when it comes to the risk world as well as the business continuity world. Um, as I alluded to in the last question, poor or non-existent relationships where the people don't even know each other, let alone communicate with each other for all kinds of reasons. A real obvious one is tradition, right? So every function has its traditions, and the tradition of risk management is not necessarily to be closely aligned with business continuity and vice versa. It's not necessarily even seen as necessary at the top in some organizations, and so they don't make that a directive or a priority. So tradition is definitely a, a bit of a roadblock. I mentioned risk culture, but if you don't have a risk culture and a risk culture discipline that's well-defined, and people really won't understand the importance of risk in an organization or how it relates to 
recovering from events through business continuity strategies and plans. And lastly, um, little or no management support for strategies and priorities in these functions. Obviously, there's going to be some support or the functions wouldn't exist, but to get the right level of support, particularly for risk profiles that are increasingly significant and aggravated by virtue of the constantly changing and developing risk world that we live in, both inside the organizations and external threats, is another aspect of how this is a challenge to get put in place. But I think, you know, in summary, resiliency now is as important to risk management professionals, I think, at least the progressive ones, as it is to business continuity professionals. And both functionaries are really after the same thing at the end of the day, although they have, as I alluded to, other priorities and goals that are built around that. But at the end of the day, if we have, an org- if we have organizations that can respond effectively to bad things, to crises and catastrophes, and even the smaller things, then I think we're going to have a better chance of succeeding as organizations and meeting those strategic plans that we talked about earlier. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Chris and Taekwon. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Enjoy the rest of your day.